It's the New England Take in WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Be sure to subscribe to the New England Take on all your favorite podcast services, as well as New England Take on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today, once again, I'm joined by Bob Bixby, Executive Director director of the Concord Coalition. He's host of Face in the Future, which airs Wednesdays at 3 p.m. His feature in WKXL in the morning in the Wednesday morning segment. Welcome back to the show. Good to be with you again. <laughs> again, we're recording these back to back. I'm just going to pull back the curtain. We recorded last week's segments and this week's segment back to back, and uh, I'm I'm not letting Bob go till I get a ha- I have a chance to talk about a trillion dollar platinum coin. So here we are. So before we dive into specifically about that coin concept, what is the national deficit? If you had to explain it to dumb dumb AJ here, what is the deficit? Oh, that's pretty simple. That's just the annual basis by which spending uh, outpaces revenues. So it's the, the 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 budget deficit is the annual shortfall. Now, I, what comes to my mind is John McCain, and he had that big uh, LED uh, buzzer that just kept going and going and going forever. I'm, I mean, how how long has the deficit been seen as an issue? Is this something that's been going on for a decade? Has it been something that's going on? Since the founding of the country, yeah, it's uh, in some ways or another been going on since the founding of the country. But um, it, uh, I think it, I think it became more of an issue in the eighties, mm-hmm. um, because it up until that point you had budget deficits rising during bad economic times and during wars, uh, and. Then you'd have, in times of peace and prosperity, the budget would recover, and sometimes you'd get a surplus or you get a balanced budget or something like that. And people would have arguments about that. What changed in the early 1980s was that the Reagan administration came in with, a, with an idea that you could cut taxes and they would, that would pay for itself and you'd get economic growth. And so uh, the, the, you wouldn't get big deficits. Now, they also had an agenda for cutting spending, but they didn't really follow through as much on that as they did on the cutting taxes. And thus began this this kind of a situation where, uh, you know, Democrats worried about deficits under the Reagan administration because the tax cuts did produce deficits. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was also a defense buildup as well. So there was an increase in spending and a cut in revenues. And. So for the first time, you began to see a, a re- rather marked increase in the budget deficits and the accumulating debt, the debt being the addition of all of the accumulating annual deficits uh, during peace and prosperity. And uh, that it, it, it really stuck with people. And Walter Mondale, you know, famously promised that he would take care of the deficit by raising taxes in 1984, and that didn't go very far. <laughs> no, not so, uh, that, <laughs> so um, it became kind of more of a, uh, an issue in, in, in presidential elections, um, certainly was in the, the Clinton election. I mean, I remember many, many elections uh, since that point uh, where the deficit did become an issue. Now, why does the deficit matter to my New Hampshire audience? Does, what sort of impact would it have on them? You know, it's the sort of thing where if you look at it like, how does it affect me today? 
that's hard to to say. In fact, in some ways, it might be good <laughs> um, because you're probably getting lower taxes and higher spending on whatever you kind of like from the federal government uh, than than would be otherwise. So you might say, well, this is kind of nice. So I might kind of like sitting on the couch and eating donuts and smoking cigarettes or something. Over the longer term, that's not such a good habit because uh, it, it can be harmful to the economy over the long term because you're not in, it, it, to the extent that you're investing in the, in the future and deficit financing to do that, some of that can be good. But still, and in fact, we should do that. We should, we should do more of that. But, but you can't finance a current uh, stream of, of benefit programs like Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid, you know, the new policies that they want to do uh, by running per perpetually higher budget deficits because eventually it catches up to you. It retards economic growth over the long term. Again, you can get a shot of stimulus in the short term. You can't keep doing it every day. And at, at some point, um, it would be harmful to your health. So uh, I think... You need to have some concern about the, the economy in the future and whether programs that you like would be able to be sustained if, if they're deficit financed. Are you going to have to have higher taxes in the future? What are the economic opportunities for people down the road in 10, 15 years if most of our federal programs are dependent upon ever-increasing amounts of federal debt? Who's going to lend us the money? At what rate? You know, what happens when uh, interest rates go back up again and how much is that going to cost? Is it a drain on national security because you can't finance uh, national security? What, you know, what does that do to the economy? There are, frankly, there are a whole bunch of reasons that you don't want to have a fiscal policy that is unsustainable. And basically it's come down to now that the deficit's gotten so high that we're at the mercy of these debt limit uh, increases that we talked about in last week's episode. I mean, how do those two interact with each other? Well, uh, the debt limit is totally irrational and frankly has nothing to do with what I was just describing. <laughs> the debt limit is a totally uh, arbitrary thing. Mm -hmm. uh, originally enacted, uh, as I think we discussed last week, to help facilitate borrowing from the federal government. What they need to do is control the spending and tax policies that produce the debt. And, um, uh, and if there was some governing device on that, like spending caps or, or automatic tax increases to try to keep the two spending and revenue lines closer together, that would make much more sense than an arbitrary number that says, you know, the debt limit is going to be, you know, 29 trillion, yeah. 30 trillion. What the hell? Well, it, it makes no difference if you're not doing something to control the debt, because at that point, it's just like, are we going to pay the bills or not? And you have to pay the bills. So I would distinguish between the the long, I don't think the debt limit helps the long-term economic future at all because it's irrational. In some ways, it could hurt if you if it sets up a situation where the government defaults. That's not going right. to help because it would be harmful to the economy and the nation's creditworthiness. So I would set the debt limit aside and say, you got to think about long-term fiscal policy um, in terms of what spending and tax programs do you want? 
And some commentators um, and some politicians, I'd imagine, too, have even said, why don't we just up the de- deficit up to $100 trillion, something that would be kick the can so far down the road we won't even have to deal with it. I mean, that doesn't... The, that seems to be against the mission of the Conquer Coalition. <laughs> yeah, but I'd go for that. Um, again, the debt limit is such a flawed vehicle because because mm-hmm. the, the the default mechanism is default. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's like if you yeah if you set a budget target and you miss it and you you know they they have enacted in the past this was the point of Grand Rudman. If you enact a budget uh, target and you miss, then you have automatic spending cuts or you could have automatic tax increases. Now, that makes much more sense. There's some economic danger that they would hit in a recession. But you're there, you're focusing on looking at the streams of policy that produce debt. If you focus on the number of the debt itself, it's... Uh, it's putting the nation's creditworthiness at risk. So if you want to hike the debt limit up to, you know, a gazillion trillion, okay with me, because I don't, I think it's a flawed device. Now there are other things they could do that I don't think would be a good idea. What are those? <laughs> give it, give it. Do you have a trillion dollar coin in your, in your pocket? <laughs> oh, where, where, where did you get that idea to talk about that from? Um, yeah. So what is this concept of a trillion dollar platinum coin to reset the deficit? I it's just seems totally well, bonkers and I had to Google it. <laughs> I think I think AJF is one thing that's uh, an even nuttier idea than the uh, debt limit. It is the trillion dollar coin. Uh and uh, I I I pray they don't go there. Um the the uh, debt limit at least is serious to the extent that people can understand it, and Congress has every right to limit debt if that's what they want to do. Uh, this is this is the mother of all gimmicks because there's a there's an obscure statute that allows the federal government to mint commemorative coins, and you know we've all seen them. You can buy them, and uh, you might have a, a commemorative coin honoring the uh, you know something in New Hampshire, the whatever. Um, I think, in fact, there probably is one honoring oh, Chris McCullough. Old, old yes. man on the mountain, Chris McCullough. Old man on the mountain. That's what I was thinking <laughs> of. That's right. Um, okay, so that's fine. Um, nobody ever thought of it as way to, and they're like $10, $100, you know, so yeah. it's a little, you know. All right. Nobody ever thought of this as way for the Treasury to mint a trillion-dollar coin and then give it to the Federal Reserve which is what the idea would be. And the, and the Federal Reserve says, oh, okay, now that I've got this trillion dollar coin, you know, I will, you know, the Federal Reserve would uh, um, be able to issue debt uh, based on that. Um, it would l- lower the, the, uh, the debt that the federal government owed to the Federal Reserve and clear up some money that they could, they could then issue new, new treasury securities. It's a really ridiculous idea. For one thing, we don't have to worry about it too much because there is no way in the world that Janet Yellen is going to issue a commemorative coin of a trillion dollars <laughs> because everybody else is a gimmick. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, you know, it would be, it would be laughable. And if you worry about the credibility of the nation's, um, uh, you know, finances, 
then yeah, you don't want to go this route. I mean, talk about making the rest of the world think we don't take money seriously and making the American currency with the dollar less important. I mean, it's so important that the American dollar is like the standard that the world basically uses. And to yeah. just throw it out the window would be catastrophic. Yeah, it, it, it would really be a, a, a silly thing to do. It, uh, it, 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 it does appear to be technically legal, I think. That's a loophole that needs to be cleared up. I love it when lawyers tell me, well, it sort of kind of appears like it might technically be legal if we look at it. <laughs> it's just like, it pains me to say this, Your Honor, but... Uh... <laughs> like, I guess they could do it. And, and, uh, but anyway, yeah. anyway, no, no Treasury Secretary has come near it. The Obama administration uh, did look at it, and the then Treasury Secretary said, no way. And Yellen has said the same thing. I mean, the concern that comes to mind for me is someone who's plugged and understands politics a little more than uh, fiscal uh, matters. Um, what if an extreme, like a, a far left pro progressive, actually ended up getting the presidency and got someone at the Federal Reserve that leans more activist when it comes to this? I mean, is there a risk of uh, something like this from a pre from a president like a Bernie Sanders? Well, I would say that uh, whether, regardless of the political motiva uh, motivations, uh, we have seen this as a ridiculous um, temptation. And I think that the commemorative coin statute should be amended so that it is clear that you can only do this up to like a hundred dollars or something like that. And it is, it is not intended to uh, provide room under the, uh, the debt limit. You know, it's just that it's like you said, it's a lack of seriousness mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, and, and, and that would be get other lack of seriousness. The, these things all kind of cascade. And uh, that's, uh, that's why we need to pull back from some of this stuff. Is basically the only way to fix the deficit problem, Congress. It seems like I've seen so many presidential candidates over the last um, 12, uh, 12 plus years talk about it. It's only the Republicans ever talk about the deficit. The uh, Democrats don't will occasionally bring it up, say, "Oh, we need to take care of it," but nothing. No party seems to do anything about it. Is it just not worth it to them? Yeah, I think that the the, the you got a lot of people that are interested in the deficit in the abstract mm -hmm. uh, because they sort of say that they have to be interested in it's it. It's a big scary not... number. It's scare tactics. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, if you're running for office, if you're running for president, people that come through New Hampshire and they always do, and oh, um, yeah. off you know, you and I have both been there to see the stuff. Uh, they don't talk about the specifics because the specifics are unpopular. If, mm -hmm. if you have more spending than you do revenue, you know, unfortunately, the only thing you can do is, is try to uh, cut spending or raise revenue, which is the opposite of the, the political thing. So I find that a lot of times when you bring that up and, and conquered coalition volunteers often go to meetings and, and ask candidates about the deficit, um, you know, they will resort to whataboutism or something. They'll, they'll blame the other side. Well, you know, there were the Bush tax cuts or there were the Trump tax cuts. And, you know, so what about that? Uh, or the other side will say, well, it's the Democrats, big government, socialist agenda, blah, 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 blah. Um, very few candidates since Paul Songus <laughs> thoughtfully 
uh, take the deficit uh, seriously. I'll be interested to see what happens in the next uh, next election. We got four minutes. How do we fix the deficit? <laughs> I, I've got this idea about a coin, you see, <laughs> and a, a commemorative coins. Oh, uh, well, well uh, it's 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 tough choices, uh, mm-hmm. AJ. I think that you know you have to look at the programs that are growing the fastest. Uh, they they do involve aging and healthcare. And you can't do much about aging. The population is aging, and that's the way it is. And so those programs are going to be more expensive because of the aging of the population. We need to focus on healthcare costs and doing a better job of providing quality care at, at lesser cost. So that's one thing. Uh, we do need to do a better job of uh, targeting resources on the uh, domestic uh, agenda, so that um, you know the, the the military does have a lot of waste in it, but. You know, let's not get carried away that you can scale back uh, a deficit this big by cutting military spending because it's not growing faster than the economy, as are the main big entitlement programs like Medicare and Social Security. Yeah, nothing changed with getting out of Iraq, and it's not looking like it's going to change by getting out of Afghanistan. No, I mean, I, I, I don't think so. The, 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 the focus is just going to be redeployed. But we also have to put revenues on the table. Uh, and so you're going to have to raise more revenues. The Democrats have lots of I, I don't really have big problems with what the Democrats are proposing on the revenue side. My big problem is they're using it to pay for a bunch of new benefit programs. It's not to fix the problem. In place. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so um, I but I think that we are going to have. But but I will say this. I think Biden's making a mistake on a policy sense by saying nobody under four hundred thousand dollars a year is going to pay a penny. I just I just think that's an unrealistic unfortunate political promise that, you know, you already saw there were options taken off the table on the infrastructure bill that could have been used to help more uh, credibly pay for that. But he couldn't do it because he made that promise. And so I I don't think you can exist. I don't think you can just say tax the rich, tax the rich. Fine. But I mean, I I, I think you have to fix the whole tax system first. I mean, there's a reason why there's always this concern about the amount of of taxes that these billionaires get out of, so the whole tax there system are, is so is all over the place. Right, uh, the the tax the 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 tax system is very porous, and uh, and there are loopholes. There are things called tax expenditures, which are basically things dressed up like tax cuts that are actually benefits. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, those are you got to put revenues on the table, and you got to put the big. Um, benefit programs uh, like like particularly Medicare uh, on the on the on the table. That doesn't mean the chopping block. It just means yeah. uh, slowing the growth of these things to make it more sustainable. All right, Bob. Where what is uh, where can people learn more about the Conquer Coalition and the work you guys do? It is uh, ConqueredCoalition.org, uh, C O N C O R D, and. Uh, uh, that's our, that's our website, and they can also listen on WKXL Wednesdays at 3 to Facing the Future, where we tend to bring in guests from, you know, either Democrats or Republicans. It's a little bit wonky, uh, a Washington insider, but it's a good Washington insider brief, mo- most of the people on the program. And we, we, we do get in folks from New Hampshire. We, we had Peter Fisher, uh, professor at Dartmouth, uh, on a couple of weeks ago. Really interesting subject. 
Yeah, I definitely Although, suggest everyone checks out the Conquer Coalition. Their their events, they'll bring in uh, people from both sides of the aisle. I've I've seen that multiple times at the University of New Hampshire. So, uh, thank you so much for joining me, Bob. You're very welcome. Talk to you later. Bob Bixby, Executive Director of the Conquer Coalition. Once again, that's ConquerCoalition.org. And you can listen to Facing the Future Wednesdays at 3 p.m. This is the New England Taken to KXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. Be sure to subscribe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as on your favorite podcast platform.